If I turn it from off to on, instead of from on to off, it works better. Hey, it was an incredible wedding yesterday. Uh, not only was the bride beautiful, but the father of the bride did an incredible job. Not only, yeah, not only walking her down the aisle, but it was as fine a ceremony as I've ever attended. It was just really special. So uh, to Darren and Jennifer both, you not only said goodbye to a daughter who's moving out of the house, but hello to a son-in-law. And uh, the family has expanded, and that is, that is great. And I'm thankful for the privilege of preaching this morning. Uh, I want to begin with a story. Uh, I'm a big sports fan. Uh, you can tell how athletic I am just by, <laughs> by looking. But I'm a good watcher. And a couple of Monday nights ago, I was watching the game between the Buffalo Bills and the Cincinnati Bengals. And there was a hit in that ball game that looked pretty normal when it happened. Uh, Damar Hamlin, the safety for the Bills, hit T. Higgins, who was the receiver for the Bengals. And they both went to the ground, as you expect. And when Damar stood up, he immediately fell over again. And we know the story now that he got hit just at the wrong moment. And his heart stopped beating. And so he basically was dead on the ground. And the uh, team of trainers rushed to him, began uh, to give him CPR. Ambulance came and got him, got him to the hospital. They put him under a medicated sedation. And then a day or so later when he came to, his first question was, did we win the game? To which the doctor said, you won the game of life. Wow. I thought about that because Damer was revived. His heart had stopped, and yet it started beating again. And he's alive today, and as far as we know, pretty healthy. He's been to visit his team uh, things are going well in his life now. And I was thinking about that spiritually, about being revived. Uh, I believe across our world today, there's a deadness. There's a coldness going on. And uh, revival is something that happens to bring life back again. It's not vival. It's revival, which means that something that at one point was alive and had died is now brought back to life again. Have you ever been in a real revival? I don't mean just a series of meetings where an evangelist came, but have you been in a real movement of God? I look back over my life and there have been some moments where 
God did something so extraordinary that it could only be explained in terms of God doing it. And there have been some great revivals during my lifetime. The first one I remember anything about was the Asbury Revival. Can you believe it started on a Methodist campus? You would think it would have had to begun on a Baptist campus. But God moved at Asbury College in a phenomenal way. And as a matter of fact, students from Asbury later went to Southern Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky, and shared about their revival. And I happened to be on campus when they came. And a spirit of revival broke out on the campus of Southern Seminary as well. And then there was a revival movement in Brownwood, Texas, where Howard Payne University is. And it began in a church service in Brownwood when a student from Howard Payne got up and began to confess sin in his life. And out of that, there was an outbreak of revival in that church, and it spread to the town, and it made a great impact. Students from there came to Southwestern Seminary, where I graduated, where your pastor graduated, and they began to share in chapel about their experience. Chapels that morning started at 10 a.m., and it finished two days later at 2 o'clock in the morning. There was such a movement of the Spirit of God, and revival not only touched Brownwood in the city of Brownwood, but it touched Fort Worth and Southwestern Seminary as well. Notice one thing that was in common about those revivals. They all started with youth. And I want to say something to our young people here today. You can be the catalyst for revival. God can use you to make a difference. I hear people say sometimes, well, our youth, they're the church of tomorrow. Bull malarkey. They are the church of today. And we need to help our young people catch the fire. So what is, what is revival really like? I love what somebody wrote. When revival happens, the sleeping wake up, the lukewarm heat up, the disgruntled sweeten up, the dishonest fess up, the discouraged cheer up, the depressed look up, the offended make up, and the crooked straighten up. Hey, we need that kind of revival, don't we? We need that kind of movement of God. Well, you know, the Bible gives us a description of revival and what it looks like. And I hear people say sometimes, you know, God will give us revival when he's good and ready. I got some good news for you. He's good and ready. God's waiting on his conditions to be met. And when we meet those conditions, God has promised that he will move. The scripture for today is 2 Chronicles 7.14. If you need to look at it in your Bible, take a second and turn to it. Old Testament, find 1 Kings, 2 Kings, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 
First Chronicles, then you'll finally get to Second Chronicles. Chapter 7, verse 14. Stand with me. And if you know this scripture, you might just want to say it with me. If my people, those who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. That's short. Let's say it again. If my people, those who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, then will I hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. Be seated. Join with me as we pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I desire one more time in my lifetime to see real revival a real stirring of the Spirit of God, a real movement where you step in to history and do something that cannot be explained in human terms. And Lord, I'd love nothing better than to see that begin right here at First Baptist Church, Ocala. And so, Father, as we consider this verse of Scripture today, would you speak to our hearts? Would you challenge us to understand who revival is for, what it requires, and what it does in our lives? And God, just have your way, not only in this service, but in the days ahead in the life of our church. We love you. We thank you for what you're already doing in our midst. And we just say, do it again, Lord. Do it again. For the honor and glory of Jesus, do it again. In Jesus' name, amen. I think when you read this scripture, you realize, first of all, where revival begins. Do you know most of us think of revival, I think, in terms of great soul winning campaigns. We want to see lost people come to Jesus. We all want to see that. But revival, first and foremost, begins with God's people. Again, look at that scripture. If my people, those who are called by my name, you know who that is? That's you. And you, and you, and you, and me. We're God's people. We bear the name of Christian. We are Christ's followers. And the writer of 2 Chronicles says that's where this revival must begin. It must begin with the people of God. That's where revival happens. It happens in your life and in mine. In our church, God can bring revival. But what conditions are necessary? What does revival demand of us? Notice what he says. We have to humble ourselves and pray and seek his face and turn from our wicked ways. Revival begins with humility. It begins with the acknowledgement that there's a God and we're not him. <laughs> 
There is a God who we need to humble ourselves before and allow him to do what only he can do. How, how do we do that? How do we humble ourselves? We come before God openly and honestly. Remove the mask. Be real before him. And come to him seeking and desiring a movement of God in our midst. And he says, if we come and we humble ourselves, and then he says, pray, pray. I'm getting ready to go on a trip to the Holy Land. I'm so excited about it. Our tour company sent us a prayer list for a four-week period of time, something to pray about every day until we leave for that trip. And it has been a wonderful experience for me. It's had a scripture reference, and then it's had something specific to pray for. I've prayed for airline pilots. That's real important. Uh, I, I've prayed for our tour guide. I've prayed for uh, things about myself, for health, for the ability to walk today where Jesus walked. I think the saying is, I ran today where Jesus walked. You move so quick on this tour. And I remember when Martha and I went last time, she calculated on her phone that we had walked 20 miles during that 10-day period of time. Um, I'm going to have to suck it up and put on my big boy pants to do that. <laughs> but I tell you this, I've been praying. I've been praying that it'd be a unique experience. Well, the same thing is true about revival. I have never heard of a revival that did not begin in prevailing prayer, where people got on their face before God and cried out, Oh, God. You know, that's what humility is about. It is realizing that revival has to come from God. And we come crying out for God to bring revival. He says we humble ourselves and pray. And I love this, and seek his face. Let me be honest with you. I think more often than not, when we come to God, we're seeking his hand. Think about it. How much of our prayer is focused on God give me this or God take care of this problem or that problem or take care of my health situation. We're seeking God's hand. I heard the story of a young blind boy in a small church. Parents always brought him early to church and he so looked forward to getting to be in the presence of the pastor every week. And the pastor had grown to know that this boy was I wanted to say looking for him. Well, he couldn't see, but he was expecting him. And when he heard the pastor's voice, he was always drawn to the pastor. And you know what he did? He would come to the pastor, and the first thing he would do was to put his hands on the pastor's face and begin to feel the features of his face. And when he sought the pastor's face, he knew that he was in the presence of the pastor. Hey, I got one better than that. When you seek the master's face, 
you will know that you're in the presence of the master. Stop seeking so much his hand and seek his face, seek his presence. So he says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, seek my face, and then here's the catcher, and turn from their wicked ways. Someone said that there's so much good in the worst of us, so much bad in the best of us, that it hardly behooves any of us to speak of the rest of us. Pretty true, isn't it? The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I'm so thankful that I don't know all of your sins. But I'm even more thankful you don't know all of mine. (laughs) But here's the thing. God knows. And God moves when we come before him and get honest and not pray God forgive me my sins of omission and commission I've never really understood what that meant I understand that commission is the bad things that we did that we shouldn't have done omission maybe that's the bad things we would have done if we'd had more time (laughs) I don't know but I know this God wants us to come before him and say, Oh Lord, forgive me for gossiping about whoever. Forgive me for lying. Forgive me for not living right with you. Maybe some of you need to say, God, forgive me for being addicted to pornography on the screen of my computer. Forgive me for whatever sin is present in your life, you will never experience revival, heaven-sent revival, until you get right with God. He works through clean vessels. I've heard people say through the years, well, God hits many a lick with a crooked stick. Hey, God hits his best lick with straight sticks with people whose lives are right with him. And those are the conditions for revival. We humble ourselves, we pray, we seek his face, we turn from our wicked ways. And notice, it's almost like an equation. If, then. If my people will do what they're supposed to do. Then, I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. That's what revival delivers. That's the result of revival. God will hear us. Do you ever feel sometimes that you're praying and maybe your prayers are not bouncing off the ceiling? Maybe it's because you've not done that first part in your life. And when your life is right with him, he will hear. He promises that he'll hear. And God's promises are true. I will hear their prayer. And notice, I'll forgive their sin. There is nothing like being cleansed. Martha and I don't have many arguments because I always agree with her. You act like you don't believe that. But when we do have a disagreement, You know what the best part is? Making up. 
And when you're out of fellowship with God, there is nothing like knowing that God has forgiven you. That he has washed that sin from your life. And do you know, the Bible teaches that he removes it never to remember it again. You come back to God and say, you remember last week when I did so and so, you know what God says? No. No. I've removed it as far as the east is from the west. Never to remember it again. You know, people remember everything we do. They throw it up into our face as often as they can. But God promises to forgive. And I think that's when revival comes. When we've experienced the forgiveness of God in our lives. And then he says, I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. Do you agree with me that America needs healing? That Ocala needs healing? Uh, we need God to do something in our land that all the politicians in the world will never get done. Why, we can't even get the same party to agree together. How will we get different parties together? We'll get it when God moves and brings healing on the land. And God is going to do that when his people get right with him, when they humble themselves and pray and seek his face and turn from their wicked ways. Wow. I want that to happen. I want it to happen again in my lifetime. I want it to happen in my church. Do you know that ministry for our pastor will be so much easier when the church is revived? There will be less bickering, less arguing. We'll be all on the same page. Next week, we have our vision Sunday we will all get behind the vision and we'll move forward to do what God is leading us to do when we've truly been revived. So here's the question. Are you living in a state of revival? Or has something died in your spiritual life? Uh, do you need somehow a, a defibrillator to restart your heart again. God is in that business. And he wants to do it for you as much as you want to have it done. I just want to encourage you today with all that's within me to do your part for revival. In a moment, we're going to have a song. And we don't customarily have a a come-forward kind of invitation, but I feel impressed to do that today and to allow any of you who really want to say, God, I'm coming forward as an act of humility today to pray for revival and God to humble myself before you and to confess my sin. And God, I want to tell you, I'm coming to say I'm turning things around. I'm getting in a right relationship with you. And I believe if you'll do that and mean it, 
that God will move in your heart and life and in our church in an incredible way. So I'm going to ask you, if you feel impressed to do that, from the very back of the church to the front, from our young people to the oldest person here, if you're physical able, physically able, we call this an altar. Let's make it this morning an altar of prayer. And while the music is going on, come and commit yourself anew and afresh to the Lord and let revival begin in you. And over here to my right and your left is a cross. If you're here today and you've not yet come to the place that you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, or if you're here as a Christian and you're not a member of this church but you want to be a part of a fellowship that really desires to experience revival, we invite you to come be a part of our church. You can step to the cross. One of our staff members will be there to help you. And you'll make the most important decision you've ever made in your life. I'm not going to give any more appeal about coming forward. It's up to you. And it's up to you and your relationship with the Lord. Are you willing to humble yourself and pray and seek his face and turn from your sin to him? Let me pray for you. And then the invitation is your time to respond to God. Father, thank you for the privilege of preaching this morning. I'm excited about our church. I love our pastor and our staff. And thank you, thank you, God, that you've brought David here to be a part of our ministry. Thank you for all the things you're doing. But God, give us a hunger for true heaven-sent revival. And may it begin even this morning at this altar as we get our lives right with you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.